Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, we finished our month of Christmas stuff, but we would be remiss if we don't take advantage of yet another holiday that comes wrong once a year and uh, honor New Year's. And we have been fortunate enough to be able to find uh, a few horror movies that are tangentially at least related to New Year's. I mean, nothing's going to beat Bloody New Year or New Year's Evil. Right. Those are harder to come by. But uh, this year we have a request that has been a long-standing request by Chris. Chris, our loyal listener, has been reminding us constantly that Jaws the Revenge is a film that he would like us to do. Craig, of course, immediately got excited about doing Jaws the Revenge because apparently you've got quite a history with this one. Mm -hmm. And because it has uh, some New Year's aspect to it, it does take place actually a little bit over Christmas, a little bit over New Year's as well. So it's a good bridge movie. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, here we are. We're doing 1987 PG-13 rated horror film, Jaws, The Revenge. It is the fourth movie in the Jaws franchise, and it is so interesting. (laughs) Uh We've done Jaws 3D, which... I still enjoyed that one better. It was just totally wackadoodle, and it took place at SeaWorld, and how can you really beat that? But this film, it's arguably even less plausible. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Also has some big names in it and uh, has an interesting storied production history. So, uh, I mean, any sequel to Jaws is going to have an interesting production history because by the time you've hit the fourth one, you do kind of start to wonder if it's really such a good idea. Right. But here we are, and it's the last one, actually, that we've gotten, right? I don't think there's been a Jaws movie since this. Well, not an official one. There, There's a movie called Cruel Jaws that some people consider a fifth Jaws like movie, some, but it doesn't. There there are no real connections. Some Italian production by uh, yeah. Umberto Lenzi or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never seen it. But uh, yeah. No, this is the last one. And it's it's kind of a big deal because, you know, the, the original Jaws, if I'm remembering correctly, was kind of the first like big summer blockbuster like it kind of defined the summer blockbuster movie i mean it established the whole concept basically yeah that studios could have one movie that would be so hyped and so big and have such mass appeal and be so thrilling that, you know, you do one or two of these in a summer and then you can bankroll, you know, you can take a risk on all the other films in your catalog because this is, you know, what brings your studio the most money. And obviously, one could argue this has been taken a little too far nowadays, but nonetheless, love it or hate it, really, for this reason. Before this movie, studios had a much wider variety of films that they would do, subjects they would do, uh, experimental stuff, things for various audiences. But this sort of solidified the concept that, you know what? We're playing it safer if we can go for huge hits that are going to appeal to a mass audience, be in that PG, PG PG-13 realm, and just make tons of money all over the world. And it did, and it was a good movie. I mean, it had... (laughs) There's lots of interesting stories about it, too. I mean, we've never done the first one, but there are all kinds of stories about how... You know, it's it's Steven Spielberg, you know, when he was young, and uh, I mean, Steven Spielberg is, is still a fine filmmaker but i think that uh this was kind of you know early in his career arguably 
he was climbing the peak to his prime yeah. at this point. And, but hadn't really proven himself 100%. Right. Right, yeah. Right, B- but this was huge. I mean, this put him on the map. And, and there were all kinds of problems with the animatronic shark, and he had to do creative things ab- about that. And he, lots of good stories there. There's lots of good stories here. What's what's I, I was excited to do this movie because... Um, this is a movie that my sister and I watched regularly, like really? all the time. We watched part three all the time too, when we were kids and part three is goofy, but it's, it's fun. Goofy. Like yeah. you said, like it's Jaws at SeaWorld. Like, come on. Like yeah. what's not fun about that? That's oh, awesome. God, it's fun, goofy, and it's got hilarious special effects. It was when they were first doing video compositing and it looks terrible. Terribly oh, silly, awful. but there are cheap 3D gags in there. It's it's a blast. Yeah, and so we watched that. I watched that a lot when I was little, and then when Jaws four came out, I remember being very excited about it, and I wanted my dad to take me to see it in the theater. This was eighty seven, so I would have been about eight. He he had taken me to horror movies before, so that wasn't a huge issue. The the issue was. Right when it came out, we were preparing to take a trip to Florida, and my mom was scared that if my dad took me to see this movie that I wouldn't get in the ocean. (laughs) So I had to assure them that that wasn't the case, that I knew it was just a movie, whatever. So he did. He took me to see it in the theater. I don't remember what my thoughts were about it then, but we continued watching it. It it played on cable quite a bit, and I just remember liking it. My sister liked it, but I, of course, I hadn't seen it in, God, 15 years at least i don't know and so i was excited to go back but this movie also has a terrible terrible reputation people just trash it it was trashed by the critics if you read you know fan stuff online i mean they just talk about how this is just absolutely the worst and it totally killed the franchise it's awful 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 people sometimes call it one of the worst movies ever ever i don't think it deserves that but no yeah, I went back and watched it yesterday. I don't get it. I still like this movie. <laughs> like, well, it's not that bad. It's not, but you know, here's the thing, and this is the thing that I think makes this different from the uh well, it doesn't make it different from the other ones. I mean, the point of Jaws is kind of like the point of Moby Dick. It's really not about the shark, right? It's about the people dealing with the shark and their various obsessions and and their their conflict and their issues, right? Like, I mean, if you don't want to mess with the shark, you just don't get in the water, right? Right. <laughs> you know. And and I think when this movie was proposed, I believe there was a new studio head at MCA Universal, Sidney Sheinberg, famous famous uh, producer, CEO there. Um, and thought that if they made another sequel to Jaws, they could make a profit and uh, follow off of... Like, Jaws 3D, even though it's goofy and it got panned as well, it was a commercial success, even yes. though it got you know negative reviews. And I think also uh, Universal Studios theme park had a Jaws ride that they thought they could promote as well. Yeah. Um, and so... You know, he came up with the idea and not only put it together, but like put it together in super record time. There are people involved in the production of this movie that said in all of their years of working on a movie, they've never seen a project come together so fast and be done so quickly. So he really pushed it through. Anyway, the point of Jaws, right, is is the people. And I think 
to his credit, he sort of recognized that. And it seems to be, when you read the interviews, and I did, I went through and read a whole bunch of contemporary interviews of the people involved in the production, doing promotion for this movie, Michael Caine, all these folks who were in it, they all kind of said the same thing. They said, we got involved with it, even though it's quite silly to do a fourth Jaws movie, and nobody's quite sure it's a good idea, Mm -hmm. because we like the script. Because we saw the humanity of the characters. Yeah. Ellen Brody comes back. They tried to get more people to come back, but but they wouldn't. But, you know, like, Ellen Brody uh, was played by... Um, Lorraine Gary. Yeah, and she saw a really interesting part here. And you know what? She does have an interesting part in this movie. She does. Her character is interesting. And she does a good job. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think, though, by now, your fourth Jaws movie, people were maybe expecting a little more action. Yeah. I think that's it. You know, we saw Jaws 3D is full of action. It's quite gratuitous, and that's part of what makes it fun. And Orca, which, you know, is not made by the same people, but uh, we quite liked it because it was goofy and ridiculous, but it had a ton of action. Yeah. It had great set pieces. This movie is supremely lacking, I think, in that. They took what they thought was the key to the original Jaws, which one could say is true, is, you know, focusing on the characters... But they almost did so much of that that the frickin' shark barely makes an appearance. Yeah. And things don't really start happening significantly until we're two-thirds of the way through the movie. (laughs) So I think that's... I think that's the only sin this movie commits, you know? I really do. I mean, it definitely has its flaws. I mean, the the premise that... <laughs> well, that... Okay, that's a bigger this, sin. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, the premise that this shark is, you know, seeking revenge and targeting this one family. I mean, that's kind of stupid. I mean, uh, really, if you get into the weeds of what the plot was supposed to be, they really toned down the stupid... Um, <laughs> I don't know, but but I mean, I don't know. That's that's. I mean, I, well, I mean, okay. So the whole revenge thing is kind of stupid. The effects aren't great, but you have to take into consideration this is 1987, yeah. and so the shark looks like a giant bath toy. Yeah. Like it's it's ridiculous. It's it doesn't. It has very little motion, very little mobility at all. Like when it comes up out of the water and submerges into the water, it, it's it just like floats to the top and then like descends. Like that's not how sharks move. It doesn't look real at all. Frankly, I think that I would take this over bad CGI. It, you yeah. know, at least, <laughs> at least it's a real tangible thing yeah. that you can see and that looks not like a real shark, but like an actual real thing um, that people can react to. Um, so I'll somewhat forgive it for that. But honestly, I think tonally, this takes it back to the tone of the first movie. Yes, it does. It's 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 serious. It's based very much in family and relationships. It's trying to get us very sympathetic to these characters and people before they start having to face the shark. Yeah, and in that regard, it is not bad. Correct. The performances are fine. These are perfectly fine actors. Yes. And I actually am invested in their characters, I care about these people. So, so okay, Jaws 1, great movie. You know, I mean, it's a classic. It's a great movie. I'm going to skip Jaws 2 for now and say Jaws 3, 
highly entertaining, cheesy popcorn flick, mm. goofy, knew what it was doing, fun. I, I enjoyed it. The reason I skipped Jaws 2 is because Jaws 2, I think, is still, people hold it in pretty high regard. I find it boring as shit. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I can't bring myself to watch it when it's on. It's just a retread of the first one. It's super boring. I like this one better than Jaws 2. And in some ways, I think it's a better movie than Jaws 3. I just don't really get all the hate. Mm. Um, because it's 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 not that bad and and well and like you said I think that the the most interesting things that we'll talk about are some of the behind the scenes things because there are some really interesting things going on mm. but this movie takes us right back in the beginning um, to Amity Island the setting of the first one and you get this classic shark POV where they sample you know the the original Jaws theme. It's just kind of that classic, you know, Jaws opening. The underwater shots, the surfacing shots. You don't see the shark. It's all POV, which was established in the first one primarily because the animatronic didn't work, so they had to work with uh, POV-type stuff. Mm. And, and then we cut back to Ellen Brody, the wife of Martin Brody, the, the main character from the first movie, played by Lorraine Gary, who I don't know a whole lot about. I know that she was an actress, but I also know that her boyfriend was a studio head. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think that she got maybe her role in Jaws for that reason. But whatever. She's fine. She's back. And she's making dinner with her youngest son, Sean. Oh. Who, who is super annoying. <laughs> yeah, he's really annoying. We are getting a big tree, and we're getting out all the old ornaments, and, and we're, we're going to do it right. Mantle, and we're putting out cookies and a, a bottle of beer for all Santa. All right, all right, we'll do it all. All right. <laughs> Tiffany, do you have any idea what a madman you're marrying? Yes, I do. <laughs> I got to go check in. Okay. See you later. Love you. Bye. Me too. Sean and uh, his brother Michael, their children... In the first movie, uh, Michael is a teenager in the second movie, and they're adults in the third movie. And in the third movie, Michael is played by Dennis Quaid. And they tried to get him to come back for this movie, and he wasn't interested, mm. uh, which is fine, but kind of too bad. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have mind seeing him come back. Bess Armstrong, who played his girlfriend in, in part three, they, they wanted to get them both back. Um, and both declined. So they recast them, but the actors that they recast are perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Ellen is making dinner, and she gets a phone call from her granddaughter, Thea, who ends up being one of the main characters in this movie. She's very, she's absolutely adorable, and I think a great child actress. She, I, I feel like she's just one of those kids that gets acting. Yeah. That gets that acting is just pretending. And yeah. so it comes, she comes across as very natural, very childlike. Well, she didn't do much except, um, I mean, she did Ducky in Voice. the land before yeah. time. And, um, Anne Marie and All Dogs Go to Heaven. Those are the last two yeah. things she did, and I, f I love both of those movies. I loved them as a kid. Yeah, and her story is absolutely tragic. I mean, uh, it, it must have been uh, an abusive Ugh. relationship that her family was in because I, I, I think just her dad was crazy, yeah. and when she was cast in this movie, she and her mother were going to 
the Bahamas. Uh, most of this movie was shot in Hawaii, uh, but I think that they did some of it in the Bahamas. And, you know, as she and her mother were getting ready to leave, the father held a, a knife to her. I mean, this we're talking like a, an eight-year-old girl, mm-hmm. you know, held a knife to her throat and threatened to kill her and said if they didn't come back from the shoot, he would kill them both. And um, so they, I mean, they did go back, unfortunately, because then just a little over a year later, he did kill them both. And, and then himself. And, and that's terrible. I mean, yeah. I think that she probably had a very promising career ahead of her. And tragically, that was taken from her. Yeah. Super sad. And makes, you know, kind of makes watching the movie sad because she's so cute. But anyway, you know, it, it's it's family stuff. Just reintroducing us to the family. Sean's got a fiance. They're getting married soon. It's Christmas. It's Christmas Eve. But Sean uh, gets, uh, I guess he is followed in his father's footsteps, which is out of keeping with part three, but apparently the writers of this movie didn't watch part two or three, so there are some inconsistencies. In part three, it's established that Sean was so traumatized by the events of his childhood that he moved to Colorado Mm. and wanted to be as far away from the water as he possibly could be. In this movie, he's either living again in Amity or never left Amity, and he's followed in his father's footsteps, and he is uh, an officer uh, on the island. And there's a last-minute call, and he's the only one available, and apparently a, uh, a stray old dock piling is stuck on a buoy, and they need <laughs> to get it out before the fishermen come back in or go back out or something. I don't know. There's a prominent photograph of his dad in the precinct, yeah. and uh, he goes out. That You know, we could have done this for Christmas, just as easily is New Year's. There's yeah. a big Christmas celebration going on, a big festival, you know, people, choirs singing, skits going on. It's very festive. He goes out on the boat and he's trying to dislodge this log from this buoy. And I have in my notes, the shark jumps out of the Bahamas and bites his arm off. <laughs> 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 Oh, they reuse so much footage in this movie. Like, the same shots of the shark jumping out of the water over and over again. And seriously, when this shark... You don't even see him and the shark in the same frame. The shark shark just jumps out of the crystal clear, daylit blue water. Yeah, it's (laughs) hilarious, hilariously bad. Yeah, I mean it's stuff like this that gets you the you know worst movie of all time thing. Like, come on, guys, get us some continuity here. You had a shark you could control. Wait till nighttime and do it again, and just get a shot of that. Well, and, and it's a. I'm sure that they didn't even have the animatronic in that location. Was probably part of it you know they only had it in hawaii that's where they shot it whatever but it jumps out of the water it bites his arm off he leans over the side to call for help where he's attacked again and it's pretty brutal you know he's floating like holding on to a log screaming for help but this festival's going on so nobody hears him and uh he uh, eventually is pulled underwater and and doesn't come back up and the next morning his mom has to id his body which uh is sad uh this is the first death in the movie that happens within the first five to ten minutes Mm. and then there's only one more death (laughs) in the whole movie yeah and it doesn't happen for another hour yeah at least that's one of the big flaws i think uh you know i i mean there's some close calls and whatnot but no the biggest flaw is that his death immediately starts upsetting ellen 
his mom. Because, well, obviously it's upsetting to her, but her main contention is... It came for him. What? It waited all this time and it came for him. Ah, so the whole point, She's and convinced. as you said earlier, the conceit of the movie is that this shark has come for them. It can hunt them down no matter where they are. <laughs> and they never stray too far from the water, no matter how upset she is about the water, especially now that her son is dead. Well, and, and Michael now is like a uh, student, marine biologist researcher. Yeah, like he's... Uh, Working towards his PhD, and he's living in the Bahamas and doing these, not experiments, but he's, like, tracking uh, sea snails. Yes. Uh, con- conch, uh, whatever they're called. And Michael is played by Lance Guest, who, you don't see much of him anymore, I I think. I don't think you see much of him anymore. He's still working. He's still working constantly. But he doesn't look the same. He was just no. a beautiful, pretty boy. And I remember Oh my him. God, he was so handsome. Right? What do you remember him from? Oh, the Last Starfighter. Yeah. God. I remember that too. It, it's funny because I, he's so handsome in this movie. And um, I clicked on his IMDb page and I'm not going to say anything mean because we're all <laughs> we're, older. It hits us all at we're some point. We're all older. It does. <laughs> So, you know, he looks appropriately his age, and you and I know very well what happens to men as we get older, and it happened to him, too. But I saw his picture, I was like, oh my god, he was so handsome. (laughs) (laughs) All all that's left are the eyes now. (laughs) Those are still the same. Whatever, I'm sure he's a lovely person. I'm sure he's... To- doing well <laughs> but they they come for the his whole family he, he has a wife named carla played by karen young who i recognize very much but really just from this movie but i like her she's spunky she's real they have this great relationship mm-hmm. where feel like a real couple yes they love each other very much and they're hot for each other but they fight and stuff like mm-hmm. <laughs> i just i really like their they're great, well, and they've got this little girl, Thea. I mean, kind of like you said, all the people in this movie feel real. Yeah. And then, then this is the strength yeah. of the script. I think that I think this was the appealing thing of the script that everybody liked and that Sid Sheinberg was really pushing for. You know, make these people real. Make us care about these folks before bad things start happening. Yeah, and, and because, they're, I mean, they're real, and because they're real, they're flawed. And because they're flawed, I think that they're relatable, and, mm-hmm. and you can get on board with them. There's... Uh, I don't know, 10 minutes that they spend on the funeral and like people gathering people from the original movie, the woman who played Mrs. Kentner, Lee Fierro. She was the mother of the first boy who was attacked in the first movie. She's there sitting with, with Ellen and, and some of her friends. Ellen uh, kind of breaks down and yells at Michael that she wants him to quit his job. She wants him to get out of the water. She doesn't want anybody in her family anywhere near the water. She says, because the, you know, the shark waited it. She, he says, it killed your father. And, and he says, dad had a heart attack. <laughs> and she said, well, it was the fear. It was the fear of it that killed him. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty dumb, though. That's you got to admit, that's pretty silly. Uh, it's funny though, and he says, "Mom, you can't believe that voodoo sharks don't have vendettas against people." And I had never noticed that line before, mm. but it's ironic because originally in in the script and in the novelization of the movie, this is in fact 
a voodoo shark. (laughs) (laughs) Controlled by a witch doctor. (laughs) Controlled by a witch doctor. But kind of going off of what I I contended earlier, it makes a little more sense that that this, this shark is actually magical than this shark has the brains and the capacity to track somebody from the water all the way down to the Bahamas. (laughs) Yeah. Wherever they are. Voodoo makes more sense. (laughs) It does. I've not read the novelization, but I'm actually kind of curious. Right. Um, Because I I guess in the novelization, Michael somehow pisses off a witch doctor in the Bahamas, and the witch doctor summons the shark to attack his family. And I guess that some of the book is told from the perspective of the shark, which I have read Jaws, which was a novel first. Mm. And most, if not all of it, is from the perspective of the shark. But in this novelization, some of it's from the perspective of the shark. And the shark doesn't even understand why it's doing what it's doing. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just controlled by, by the witch doctor. Oh my God, I'm getting these strange feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Michael assures her, he's like, look, we're in the Bahamas. There has never been a great white where we live. It's warm water. They don't like it. They decide to go back to the island, and she she agrees to go with them. Yeah. They end up flying to the Bahamas. Now, is this the point at which Mario Van Peebles pops in here? Because I was really surprised to see him. I hadn't seen this before, so... You hadn't seen this before? Believe it or not, no, I'd never, oh no, I'd never seen this before. Actually, before Mario Van Peebles shows up, uh, Michael Caine shows up. Yes. He, he's the pilot of the plane. And Michael Caine is a great actor, very famous, Oscar-winning actor. But uh, apparently, I knew this about this movie, but I didn't know it was a thing. Like, apparently every once in a while, he just does a movie for the money. Yeah. He knows they're not great movies, but they're going to pay him a lot of money, and he does it. And that that was this movie. And apparently, I guess, he agreed to do the movie after reading the first line of the script, which was like, fade in Hawaii. And he had wanted to film a movie in Hawaii for a while, so he was like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Well... He ended up, I mean, the movie filmed in like seven days down there, uh, and, and the, uh-huh. the schedule was really tight, and it overlapped with the Academy Awards, and he was nominated and won, it yeah, turns out. for Hannah and her sisters. Yeah. yeah, an Academy Award during this time, and he really wanted to get out of the filming so that he could actually attend the awards ceremony, and it was just wasn't working out. So he wasn't able to collect his, his Academy Award because he was down filming this movie. You'd think that would piss a guy off a little bit, but... I think the quote from him later was something like, uh, I got an Oscar, I got a new house, and I got a nice little vacation. So to me, that's all basically a win. (laughs) Yeah, right. And and being asked specifically about the movie, I'm not reading it, so forgive me if I misquote, but he said something like, well, I've never seen it. By all accounts, it's horrible, but I have seen the house that it paid for, and it's fantastic. <laughs> that sounds like a guy that I would want to be friends no with. No kidding, right? <laughs> like, you know? 
<laughs> what you know, I made he made a bunch of money. He made a million plus dollars to shoot for seven days in a tropical paradise. My God, win win. Right? He, he never even watched the movie, so you know who cares. And you and you need to learn things like this about your famous actor friends. You know what I mean? Everybody holds Michael Caine up in high esteem. You know, as like you know, this like really. Uh, come on, this guy did blame it on Rio. He did a lot of schlock as well. Yeah, and then you hear him talk about it, like, dude, I'm just I need a paycheck as much as the rest guy. <laughs> it's it's great it's grounding it's as yeah. grounding as his character is in this film yeah and he's funny and he's good yeah he he's he's a nice light-hearted element in this movie and he establishes a relationship with ellen that is sweet you well, know they're older and they're not ancient but they're they're older people but they spark this flirty cute romantic relationship and it's believable and i was rooting for them yeah. it's so cute because michael sees this relationship budding and he's concerned about it because yeah. he doesn't know who hoagie is who Hoagie's is hoagie? just you know this, <laughs> he knows he he's a big gambler well. he flies a charter plane and michael like seems like suspicious about this it's not brought up in the movie. Apparently, they did film the scenes. Hoagie, in fact, is a drug smuggler. Like, mm. I don't think that he himself, but he's well, you know, he's a, a a mule or whatever. There's like a throwaway line in the movie that that's that's I can't remember where it was or exactly who said it. I don't think it was him himself, but somebody brings up something in the in the middle. They're like, "What do you fly anyway?" And he gives some kind of coy remark that laundry. Yeah, laundry. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I deliver laundry. Uh huh. Okay, we get it. <laughs> right. It's hinted at, but you know, again, well, the guy just needs. He's just making his. He's just money, making you know? a paycheck, <laughs> just like the actor behind him. And and you know, like I think you said, this is just a sweet, cute, and utterly natural older couple relationship it's not over the top dramatic and no. romantic it's like hey these two people enjoy each other and and i think this is something actually that i read attracted both him and um ellen brody's character back to the table they liked the idea that you don't often see an older couple romance in a movie it's always young people right. getting together and this was nice this was another nice touch yeah, I, I I thought so too. I really like that element of it. Ellen is still nervous about the water. She kind of freaks out when they get back to Michael and Carla's house, and Thea's like swinging from a dock, and she kind of freaks out or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, I should also mention that Carla apparently is an artist. She is in making a. She's been commissioned to make a sculpture for the island, and it's called tourist on the loose <laughs> but it's very reminiscent of a shark of a like, shark attacking a person like what the hell it looks like yeah i mean it's abstract but it's very reminiscent of a shark like are you trying to rub this family's tragedy in its nose even more and we got to mention mario van peebles character jake uh, yeah who is also this is when he shows up. he's doing the research with michael and as soon as he comes on, I'm I'm hearing his Jamaican accent, and I'm like, oh, God, that is an awful Jamaican accent. And then, like, <laughs> about two or three shots later, I'm like, okay, that settled into something not so terrible. And then, like, two or three shots later, it completely disappears. Michael! What the hell are you doing down there? Jake, stop busting my chops. Listen, you remember what they look like? They hard on the outside, chewy on the inside. 
Sometimes they come with a little grind attached to them. Move your ass, man! Tagging it down, things for Christ's sake. Gotta separate the ladies from the gentlemen first. Oh, man, don't do that. You move too slow. You got two speeds, slower and slower, and you move any damn slow, you're gonna grow roots. Like, there is a very inconsistent... Uh, sometimes over the top Jamaican accent coming out of this man's mouth. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, but I mean, he's a likable guy too. But again, Michael and Jake, his name is Jake. They're PhD students. They're working together. They're partners, but they're obviously very good friends. And, you know, their, their wives are friends. Like, you know, they're, they're good friends, but just like Michael and Carla, Michael and Jake have a very real relationship. Like, they get on each other's nerves and bicker sometimes. But ultimately, they always, they have each other's backs. They care about each other. They're invested in one another. Mm. Just, just real characters. And Mario Van Peebles looks great in this movie, too. Yeah, uh, he does. Very handsome. They have Christmas. Jake and his wife, Louisa, who's gorgeous, um, come over for Christmas and, this is when we get the first full shot of the shark, and it's swimming around um, in these Bahamanian waters. And so it's very bright and very blue. But I also got the sense that the ocean in the Bahamas is never more than like seven or eight feet. Yes, like, if that. <laughs> like regardless of how far out into the sea you go, you could basically see the swim to the bottom, yeah, touch it, and come back up. If, like, I don't if know not why walk it's so along shallow. there. Yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, even when Michael Caine comes up uh, paddling in a boat onto the shore, I'm thinking, God, how does that boat keep moving? It's clearly scraping the sand. That that happens here, but Ellen is making a sandcastle with Thea on the beach. When all of a sudden she gets a strange feeling and looks out over the sea. <laughs> and I don't think I'd ever noticed this before. But you hear the roar of the shark and she hears it too. Yeah. Like, like, like the shark is a net, like, I'm here. The shark <laughs> literally roars. It's, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> don't think it's, I, you know, people make fun of that, and at the end, it's even more obvious, but paying attention this time, I was like, holy shit, that shark just roared and she heard it. <laughs> like, that's crazy. I mean, I did get a little tired of her little premonitions. It was just constant. I think there was something... Here's an issue I have with the movie. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but I'm just going to foreshadow it. I'm just going to talk about it right now. Is that this film spends a ton of time setting us up for her conflict with just the whole idea that they're even by the water now. She doesn't want her yeah. son working in the water. She wants him to change jobs. They have arguments over it. She Every time she gets steps in the water, she's getting premonitions and she can't sleep at night and all this stuff. Having nightmares, yeah. And as soon as this relationship with, um, with Hoagie blossoms, it's like next scene, she's explaining to her son, you know what, actually, I'm cool. I'm totally fine. Um, I've oh, gotten over that's it. That's not fair. She, it's bothering her, and she confesses it to Hoagie, yes. and he takes he takes her to like it's an actual uh, festival. I I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's like Carnival. You know, it's like a parade, lots of dancing, celebration, and she, you know, she tells him like, I know it's coming. It's coming to get us, and he tells her, Sharks come and go, Ellen. 
people have got nothing to do with it. A drink with an umbrella in it. Helen, give it up. Give it a kick in the ass. Get on with your luck. And that's it. That's all it takes. I mean, that... True. That's... Come on. Meanwhile, at the exact same moment, Jake is down in the sub, you know, checking on the snails or whatever, and and the shark bumps right up against this little... And when I say submarine, I mean like a one-person submersible. Yeah. Like, it's a tiny little it's thing. It's not even watertight. It's just uh, something to yeah. tootle around in while you're, you know... Right. It, it bumps right up against him, but doesn't bother him at all. And then it jumps up and attacks the boat where Michael is standing. So Michael knows it there, knows it's there. Jake is super excited because he's like, now we don't have to study these stupid snails anymore. There's a great wike in the Bahamas that shouldn't be here. We won't tell anybody. We'll study it. We'll, you know, watch its patterns, blah, 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 whatever. And, and, uh, he's all excited. But of course, Michael's like, uh, maybe don't say anything to my mom. He's like, oh, yeah, okay, sorry. Um, but you're right. Then, uh, it's New Year's. Happy New Year. Happy New Year's, everybody. They, yeah. 2022. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, may it please be better than oh. the last couple of years. But they, they, there's a big New Year's Eve party and everybody's dressed up and it's at a casino and it's Jake and his wife are there and, um, Michael and Carla are there. Hoagie and, and Ellen are out dancing. Hoagie and Ellen, like, it seems pretty established. It's not like, it's just very natural. Yeah. It's not like they're like, oh, we're married now, but they're hanging out. Yeah. They're having a good time. It's cool. And, uh, there's, you know, a sweet moment where Hoagie asks, uh, Ellen to dance and they dance for a few seconds, but then Michael goes and cuts in and Ellen tells him that she has decided to stop believing that Sean's death was intentional. Mm. And she really seems better, which is great for her, but Michael is conflicted mm -hmm. because he knows that the shark is there and it has no business being there. Yep. And so now he's questioning... Wait a like, second. Was she right? Yeah. You know? It's a total flip. And to its credit, yeah. that's a cool aspect of the movie. It really, you do see Michael's conflict. Like, he's holding the secret. Um, and he's even had some, you know, ends up having a couple encounters with this shark that he has to hide from her. And it's, it's obviously weighing on him. And in fact, I think it's at this party that, um, Jake almost spills the beans about it. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, comes really close. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't. It ultimately, it probably would have been better if he did. But Jake convinces Michael to take a break from the snails for just a few days to study the shark. And so they chum around the boat. The shark shows up and surfaces. Leaps out of the water, as it always it does. <laughs> right, it leaps out of the water. It keeps doing this over and over again. It looks terrible. It doesn't look natural at all. Um, but Jake has made like this electronic pulse Oh no, that's later. What it, what he's got right now is a tracker that also doesn't it, it, it's some, track its location. It's heartbeat. It monitors its heartbeat, but when it's within range, they can hear its heart beating. Yeah. If it's out of range, they can't. But anyway, so they know that they know when it's close. You know, I actually liked this bit of the movie. I thought it was very clever how they had this thing. You know, it's sort of like in Aliens. 
when they're tracking the alien through the ship and they have that little device, right? Yeah. And it pulses and it sounds almost like a heartbeat, but as the alien gets closer, that gets faster and faster and faster. Well, it's not like that with the shark. It just gets louder and more obvious when it gets closer, but it's there and it's just, it's very reminiscent, right, of the whole Jaws theme. It's not a da-na-da-na. There's nothing musical about it. Right. But that what made that original musical cue so effective in the first movie and building that tension, they've just replaced that. It's the same idea, but they've made it this this sort of sonar heartbeat kind of thing that I think the sound design is great and it's really effective at letting you know the shark is close and building tension. It's it's nice. Well, and I wanted to say, you know, after that, the, the very opening scene samples the original theme um, and, and to good effect. But after that, the score is unique, original. Yeah. And I really like it. Like, I really like the score. It's, it, it was reminiscent to me of, um, the Goonies a little bit, um, mm. Troll a little bit. Anytime you're overlooking the water, it's kind of just this twinkly kind of music. And it's, uh, I don't know. I really liked the score. There are a lot of things about this movie that I like. Mm. But eventually, there are cute moments, like there's a moment where uh, Hoagie invites Ellen to stay on the island for a little extra while, and he says, you know, and, and we can hop on over to this other island for a few days. Or like He's basically asking her to go away with him for a few days, and she's considering it. And it's cute. She's like a schoolgirl. She's like talking about it with Carla. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, and he kissed me, and I I didn't know what to do. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's really cute. And Elaine Gary is there. Lorraine Gary plays it really well. She's sweet. There's another sweet moment where um, Thea and Michael share a moment that recreates a moment from the first movie where little teeny Sean was sitting next to his dad at the dinner table and, and mimicking everything that his dad was doing. The same thing happens here and Ellen sees it. And so, you know, you're flashing back and forth between what's going on in real time and the flashback. And, but eventually Michael gets attacked by the shark uh, he's down in the sub and they're listening for it on the thing and they're like, oh yeah, this has got a three mile radius. If we hear it, you'll have plenty of time to get up. Well, then right away they hear it and uh, <laughs> Jake's like, uh, it's coming fast. Get up here. <laughs> but he doesn't get up there in time and the shark attacks the sub and he has to get out and he, he swims to a wreck. Yeah. Like a shipwreck under... It's convenient. Yeah. Under, yeah, like uh, seven feet of water. And the shark... Gets in there. <laughs> it follows him through oh, the wreck. Like, it's so bad. It doesn't even fit in there, no, really. It's so bad. And we know in real life that sharks can't swim backwards, so that shark probably would have just been stuck in there and drowned. Yeah. But anyway, it almost gets him, but he uses his air tank to propel himself to the top and lo- luckily surfaces right next to the boat mm-hmm. so they pull him out good thing 
I mean, by the way, yeah. as a diver myself, I'll tell you that he's going to have even bigger problems surfacing that fast. It's only seven feet, Todd. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough, yeah. He's not, I don't think he's going to get the bends from seven feet Well, of water. you'd be surprised, but you're right. It's supposed to be more than seven feet, but yeah. It's clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> and still, Michael doesn't tell anybody. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's out of loyalty to Jake or if uh, he doesn't want to scare them, but he should scare them. <sighs> that shark is clearly out to get them. Um, but the very next day, he wants to go back down because he's like, you know, if you fall off the horse, you got to get right back on. And he, he tells Jake, look, I'm scared to death. And if I don't go back down there, um, I may never get back in the water again. Mm. And so he goes down and there's an eel scare, which was kind of funny. But then we cut to Carla's unveiling of her sculpture. And this is the best scene of the mm-hmm. movie. I would say this is one of the best attack scenes of the series. They're on a, a very crowded beach for this uh, dedication of her statue. And Thea sees that her friends are going to ride on a banana boat, which is just this, you know, literally a big inflatable banana pulled by a boat. I've ridden one of these. They're great fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a... It's sort of like inner tubing, right? Except uh, on a long banana shaped thing. Yeah. Oh, they're, and they're, they're, you know, they're really big. You know, the, these are little kids writing it. They're in life jackets, totally safe. And so she asks her mom if she can go and she's like, Margaret's going and she's with her mom. And Carla's like, okay, fine. And, um, Ellen seems a little bit nervous, but remember, she's, decided she's not going to be scared anymore so carla reassures her and she's basically okay but thea gets on the boat and ellen gets her psychic feeling again and she looks out and she sees the shark fin chasing behind the banana boat and so she screams and everybody looks out and everybody sees it and everybody's running down to the water the shark attacks the inflated yeah banana targets her specifically it targets her specifically right in this whole beach full of people right her her friend's mother who you know must have been just a wonderful woman <laughs> picks thea up and moves her like like pushes her forward on the boat and then she gets eaten um, and everybody is on the beach watching and screaming as this woman is writhing around in the shark's mouth above water. And that's it. That's the second death. But this marks the beginning of the third act because Ellen sees this and she gets this serious look on her face and she turns around and she starts running. <laughs> she runs. And I guess that Jake and Michael have come back because she takes their boat and Michael eventually finds he, they don't even know what's happened. Michael comes in to find Carla consoling Thea, who's in shock. And he's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I should have told you. And Carla's furious that he knew that there was a shark there and didn't tell, yeah. but he runs away and realizes that his mom must have taken the boat. So he grabs jake and they're gonna take out like a little fishing boat to look for her but they come across hoagie and hoagie's like that's stupid you'll never find her so he takes them out in the plane 
And the plan is, we'll find her, we'll see where she is, we'll call for the rescue boat, yes. and they'll go out and get her. <laughs> but when they do find her, the shark <laughs> is maybe 50 yards behind her trailing. <laughs> it knows what boat she's on. She's out there. And, yep. and she's, what is she planning on doing? I, I just don't understand. I don't know. But she does stand, I think, on the boat and go, come and get me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? And then and the shark is coming and she's just standing there. What is she going to do? So Hoagie, so Hoagie crashes like, his plane into the water. <laughs> well, first, first he buzzes the shark. Like as it's jumping out to attack her, he like buzzes it and it goes back in the water and then he swings back around and he does he like just ruins he lands his the plane. plane. <laughs> I know. And and he's like, "Hold on, guys." And Jake's like, "Do you know how to land in do you know how to land this in the water?" And he's like, "No, what kind of pilot do you think I am?" <laughs> and but he does. He lands this not water plane on the water. And Jake and uh, Michael dive off and swim to the boat and so get there fine. Everybody's in the freaking water when the shark is right yeah. there, apparently targeting them. Yeah, it's a really stupid idea. Except for Michael Kane, he stands in the door of the the plane and is cracking wise as he does <laughs> throughout the whole yeah. movie. And the shark attacks the plane and presumably gets him, but doesn't because um, you know, after. Uh, Ellen has a minute to like mourn him. He shows up crawling onto the boat and he's fine. And this leads up to the very end where first of all, Jake real quick puts together this other device that sends out like an electric impulse. I don't know if it's a shock or what it's meant to be, but he thinks that if he can get it inside the shark and they can trigger it, it'll drive the shark crazy and it'll die or something i don't know and so uh he does he gets on the mast oh. is it the mast i don't know the part that sticks out the front of the ship and the shark jumps out and he does like spear it into the shark's mouth but then he gingerly lowers himself <laughs> into the shark's mouth yes i know <laughs> <laughs> At first, I thought it was like slow motion or something, but no, he just lowers himself. It's it's bad. Like, he doesn't even slip or anything. He just, <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and then, and you see, okay, so then he's in the shark's mouth. He's all bloody and he like, he's oh, beating on the shark and you see him take, you see it take the him down. thrashing him around. Under There's the water. no way, right? There's no way. Oh, it's, it's crazy. And then, so... The mom is driving the boat, and they see where the shark is, and she turns the boat right towards it. Michael has this triggering device, and he's he's pushing it, and every time he pushes it, there's like an electric, like, and uh, the shark screams, literally, and jumps out of the water. <laughs> and it becomes evident that she is headed straight for it. And so right as... She's getting close to it, and it's jumping out of the water. She has flashbacks 
to the death of all of the members of her family that she did not yes! witness. <laughs> That's in my notes. Grandma's having visions of stuff she never saw. <laughs> I, oh. Arguably, she saw, you know, Thea be attacked, but not from <laughs> that, that angle. perspective. And, and she did not see Sean or Martin. No getting attacked but she has flashbacks to it nonetheless or the movie versions it is (laughs) it to be fair to be fair it is fun to see the flashback to part one with with martin brody on what is it the prow that's what it is right on the prow of the ship holding the gun and you know ellen is pointing the the front of the boat at the shark and just as the shark rears out of the water and you see that the front of the boat is going to impale it um it in the flashback you see martin say smile you son of a bitch which is one of the greatest lines in cinematic history and he fires the gun in the flashback i saw this movie in the theater so let me tell you about my experience Mm. When I saw this movie in the theater, what happened was the stick, the big (laughs) post that sticks out of the front of the boat, impales the shark, and it screams, and blood flies everybody everywhere, and you see it impaled, and you see blood flowing out of its mouth, and the weight of the shark breaks off the entire front part of the ship, and everybody on the ship falls down to the ground. And then you see the shark bleeding profusely, sinking with the whole front of the boat down to the bottom. And that's basically the end. There is a scene after that where you see Ellen fly away. That's it. Now, I remember seeing this on television years later, and the ending was totally different. (laughs) And I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is not (laughs) how the movie ended. Mm -hmm. It turns out that what I saw in the theater was the theatrical release after the it had already been released into theaters in the united states i guess it didn't the ending wasn't received well so while the film was running in the united states they went back and did reshoots they reshot the end and when they released it in europe they released it with the new ending and then every dvd release Home video. Every home video release since then has used the European release. Yeah. Apparently, for a little while on AMC, the cable network, they were still occasionally showing the American one, but nobody does anymore. And the the new ending <laughs> doesn't make any oh, sense. Oh my god! I this is what I saw. So this is my first time seeing it. She pokes it with the sticky thing. And the shark explodes. <laughs> Inexplicably. It explodes. I was like, did I miss something somewhere in here? Was there an explosive involved in any of this? It explodes quite violently. And uh, everybody kind of leaps off the boat. And who just sort of surfaces up in the water but Jake, who's just sort of bleeding a little bit from his shoulder. It's like, are you yeah, he's are you fine. kidding me? This guy was halfway in that thing's mouth thrashing around just as bad as the girl earlier who died. Um, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. Where did he come from? Uh, no, God. it doesn't make 
It doesn't make any sense. And I feel like with that new ending, with them all popping back up in the water, they were trying to do a throwback to part one where Richard Dreyfus and the main guy, Martin, uh, you know, are left swimming in the water. I think it was kind of a callback to that. But the exploding shark makes no sense. And they just reused the footage from part one with this shark sinking. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't get it. I much prefer the original ending. Did you watch it on YouTube? You can watch no, it on I forgot, YouTube. I forgot to look it up. But it, just hearing you describe it, it makes ten times more sense than what they ended up reshooting. It makes a lot more sense. And you can watch it on YouTube. Apparently, I know that AMC does this because I've seen it with other movies. They They will take movies and they will air versions of them with additional footage that never played in theaters or in any uh video cut and they've done that with this movie so you can go online and you can watch the original ending and you can watch like almost 15 minutes of cut footage um it's nothing exciting it's 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 not even particularly interesting but if you're interested in this movie if this is a movie that you enjoyed and you're curious um it's there i watched them you know, it was 15 minutes. I had 15 minutes. No big deal. And, and like I said, then there's a last, you know, two minute scene where you see Ellen's going home and everybody's happy and everybody says goodbye. And, um, and they, they fly away and Hoagie's telling one of his goofy stories. The end. I will say again and without embarrassment that I still like this movie. <laughs> I enjoyed watching it. It was, you know, it's an hour and a half. We have seen movies that have been so much worse. This is not, it's not like, it's not even like so bad it's good. It's just like, it's fine. I I think that it's a perfectly appropriate sequel. Is it in quality as good as part one? No. Are sequels ever as good as the first one? Very, very rarely. Very rarely. And I would say that this, I like this, I like it better than part two. And I would say in, in terms, even though they're very different tonally, in terms of entertainment value, I would say, would say it's on par with part three. It's not as exciting, but it makes up for it with characterization and relationships and, and that kind of stuff. I just think it's a perfectly fine movie. I don't understand why it's so maligned. I mean, it's not great, but it's not that bad. I mean, yeah. I mean, going back and looking at it, knowing that it's really old and we're just talking about the fourth and final sequel and a history of Jaws films, one thing. If I had paid to go to the movie theater when this came out in 1987, like you did, but you were younger. <laughs> yeah. If I had paid to go to the movie theater to see this when it came out, I would have been disappointed. It was kind of boring. If it hadn't been titled Jaws, you know, I don't know, man. Just like when when there are hardly any shark attacks, <laughs> one True. person dies, uh, maybe two, depending on the ending you've seen. And the shark doesn't really, there's no real showdown with the shark until three quarters of the way through the movie. How much family drama did you did you pay to come to the theater to see? You know what I mean? Fair so I, I can understand that. Plus, it's true. Some of the dialogue's pretty ridiculous. The whole concept is preposterous, which apparently they all knew yeah. going into production. Um, the director, oh yeah, the director admitted it. He, 
He said, we were all just sort of burned out creatively going through so many pitches that we figured, well, we could probably, we knew it was stupid, but maybe we could make it work on screen. Yeah. So there's that. There's, again, the silliness that we talked about with the production where, like, some of the shots don't match up. The shark looks goofy. This yeah, same reused true. footage and everything looks like it's about seven feet underwater because it is. All of that kind of combined, uh, it's not a good movie. It's not like the epitome of craftsmanship that you would expect with from the most expensive movie to be re- one of the most expensive movies to be released in 1987 with a ton of hype yeah, on behind budget. it and on built on a franchise that has a lot of respect and you know, I mean the third one maybe but you know still like it's Jaws it's supposed to be Jaws the Revenge and you get kind of a lot of silliness that you're being expected to take seriously so and family drama that's fair it is a lot of family drama i I don't know i i kind of felt like that was intentional and so it didn't really bother it's good family drama you know it's just it's a jaws movie. yeah it is i think the only reason that i'm so defensive of it is just because it's so widely and adamantly criticized and it's fair to say it's not a good movie it's fair to say it's not a great movie but to say that it's the worst movie ever, no. absolutely God, no. not. Absolutely God, not. No. It is not that Not bad. even in 1987. No, yeah. for sure. Anyway, there's a New Year's Eve party. Woo-hoo! Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, and I just want to say, uh, you know, uh, gosh, another year comes and goes. Uh, it's it's crazy. It se- I, I, honestly, it seems like we were just doing this wishing you a happy new year time goes by so quickly and uh, i'll probably repeat myself but just once again another year down thank you for sticking with us uh through all of this Uh, i know that some of you have been with us for years some of you you know are only recently discovering us and we welcome you with open arms and are glad to to have you to to have as much support and to get as much engagement as we get from you all this was a request we get requests regularly we try to uh, fulfill as many of those as we can it's it's really fulfilling and uh it's it's a bright spot in what has been a really tough couple of years and hopefully this new year will bring some relief but one way or another we're in it together yep. and we're here for <laughs> you and we'll be we'll be bringing you crappy movies <laughs> we got a whole load of <laughs> crappy movies 2022 <laughs> yeah. you ain't seen nothing yet <laughs> uh well uh we got to thank chris again for the request and it was great to be able to review this movie and thank you all to your listeners i'll just echo exactly what craig said find us online uh, share us with a friend sometime this year would be great for us we love to get more listeners and to spread the love a little bit like Craig said let us know what you think of this film and give us requests uh, for the times coming up haven't done a theme month in a while unless you count our Christmas month as a theme month so it's probably what what could be coming at you next uh, early uh, in the year until next time I am Todd and I'm Craig with two guys and a chainsaw ah.